And here we are, episode 28, and uh, keeping fingers crossed to the gods of Skype right now to make sure that we don't break out too much. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, Heisenberg's dead, Dexter's yep. a lumberjack, we've got no government, and the Atlas Shrugged movie has been funded. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, uh, I don't, I mean... I really enjoyed the Breaking Bad finale. I think that they took it the only place that they they could take it to make it somewhat satisfying for for everybody. But uh, the thing that drove me absolutely crazy, and and I don't really even want to talk about Breaking Bad anymore, because like within five minutes of that episode being over, the entire Internet was taken over by everybody's op-ed opinions about it. Yep. Well, (laughs) same thing happened with The Sopranos. Surprisingly, nobody said anything about Dexter. <laughs> no, the De- well, Dexter, I mean, I always felt that Dexter got uh, this entire last season, they really got screwed because Breaking Bad is just so much better and, and wrapped up a lot better and had a lot more craziness going on. I, I was very pleased with the Dexter ending. Um, again, I felt that that was the only thing that they could really do with the character. It was, it was good. I like it. He's a killer lumberjack. Watch out, killer. Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of I wanted them to get together at the end, but, you know. Yeah, well, they were never to end it happy. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw that uh, a plane crash, like the ones that we usually listen to when we're used to do the show at your house, uh, somebody somebody crashed in your neighborhood. Uh, Yeah, I I saw that uh, later on that day when I got home. Interestingly enough, I happened to be driving around that area and traffic was really bad right at that time. But I, I didn't have any idea that there was a plane crash until later on in the day. So. It's crazy. Uh, Yeah, there's actually, I mean, I looked into that a while ago just because um, I was toying around with the idea of buying something here a while back, you know, back in the salad days when we were actually making money. Um, And uh, some of the houses in that particular area within the flight path are are super nice. But uh, so I did the research on it. And there's actually been quite a few plane crashes in the area in Santa Monica Airport. So um, usually it's it's generally just the smaller planes that fly in and out of there. But uh, that makes me really concerned because they're actually trying to do more and more larger planes and jets. And oh, man, I mean, you could just wipe out half of Venice. Yeah, those those little planes drop out of the sky all the time. I I, I wouldn't <laughs> want to live around there. They're in Van Nuys too. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I'm glad and glad they didn't hit your abode. No, no, no. Good. They they did not. Actually, the entire crash was actually on on uh, in the airport itself. So so yeah. there was uh, this time it didn't actually hit the community at all. So that's good. You know what hit me this morning? What hit you? A uh, media temple outage again. Mm, yes. Uh, I, so if if you were trying to get to the Grumpy Old Geeks website uh, on Friday morning, uh, all apologies that it was down uh, because the media temple uh, team over there their their very short bus was apparently waylaid somewhere and they didn't <laughs> quite make it to work on time. And I have just had so many problems with these guys. So I'm in the market for good hosting. So if anybody's got any good recommendations, that's not Media Temple or Dreamhost or Bluehost or any of those, <laughs> any of these like you know big box hosting companies, uh, just send send me an email, uh, Jason uh, at GrumpyOldGeeks.com, please, and, and share that information with me as well. Uh, I'm not going to mention who I've been doing my hosting with because uh, I still kind of really like them. Uh, you know, I've got a guy over there that really tries tries to take good care of me <laughs> tries, and it has yeah. done, a, done a really good job for a long time. But just uh, just over the last month or so, I've, our sites have been, 
The server's just been slow. I keep, you know, opening up tickets with them saying, what's going on? They say they've got it. They, you know, replace the SQL server. We put in a new one and it's better for like two days and then it's, everything's just slows down again. And I'm just like, hey guys, come on, what's going on here? Yeah, I seriously miss the old days of going to Fry's, getting an e-machine, taking it down to my ISP in Riverside, setting it all up, running free BSD, and, uh, you know, just had, knowing that it's my hardware, I miss that. Now this clouds, clouds are for the birds. I, I agree. There's just so many problems with it. This is all supposed to be so much easier and so much better for us, and, and it's, yeah, back in the day when we just ran our own, everything ran so much better. Yeah, I mean, I, I have had... Pretty good luck with Amazon, AWS, you know, mm-hmm. EC2, S3, the RDS servers and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's pricey. Yeah. It's very pricey. Yeah. Well, you get Although what you pay I, for. <laughs> remember the old days when Server Beach was new? Uh, I do, yes. Yeah, I miss them. <laughs> I really miss Those guys were good. Yeah, that was a really good service. I never really had problems with them. The only reason I ever ended up leaving them is they got too expensive for me, too. And I was, you know, I found a deal that was half the price, so... Yeah, then they got gobbled up by Rackspace. Or, yeah. or no, Pier 1. Pier 1 Pier bought one. them. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, it was crazy. We had so many servers at uh, JPEG Magazine <laughs> that when the uh, the CTO of Pier 1 came out, he took me to lunch in San Francisco. It was kind of <laughs> nice. It was kind of nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, back in the day. I think uh, we were running 18 boxes for that thing. Wow, that is impressive. Yeah, well, I mean, we went from zero to like 250,000 users in just a couple months and all those people were uploading you know print resolution photos and so we had i had a you know image processing farm i had a sql farm i had a web farm yeah uh, they were all stuff. mine too they were all mine i miss them I miss my little babies <laughs> cool uh, what are you gonna do so did you uh see that thing that uh evan williams wrote this week or it was actually a speech that evan williams gave gave at the xoxo conference about the secret for getting rich yes <laughs> i did see the piece um i actually really like everything that he had to say but i don't think it's you're <laughs> i think it's still a hell of a lot of luck and a hell of a lot of who you know if you're going to make it rich just uh following these recommendations ain't going to do much yeah, I mean, he put it, he put it down to one simple rule: is find a pain point that you know, and make make that pain point easier for people. Which, duh, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. That's, it, that's a bit of a no brainer, but he he does have a point. It is kind of against the philosophy of Silicon Beach and Silicon Valley right now, where everybody's running around trying to, you know, just do these off the wall things and finding finding things, <laughs> solving problems that don't even really exist. Yeah, definitely. There's so, a lot of that. There's a lot of blue sky going. Exactly. On. Yes. So it was, it was a good little speech, and I, I, I got it, but it ain't going to make you rich. Yeah, I was looking for the, uh, the video of it, but it's not online, which is actually probably fine because Evan's not really the best public speaker. So <laughs> um, I'd go with the text. It'll be linked in the show notes, grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 28. Yes, there you go. So uh, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just uh, – you just made me think about something uh, that when you said he wasn't a very good speaker. Um, you, you're, you're really into podcasts, and you're always kind of you know sending me ones, and you're trying to listen to new ones all the time. Um, I, I was listening to a couple uh, uh, just this week myself, and in fact, I went back and I listened to uh, one of the What the Fucks, um, and it was an old live one, and he had like a group of, of like five or six different comedians coming in and out, and there was a huge, like massive, mean-spirited battle in that podcast, and it was riveting. 
<laughs> Absolutely riveting. It's the first thing I've listened to in ages where I just couldn't stop listening. And it reminded me of kind of the old terrestrial talk radio days and, and things like that because those were really interesting shows. They didn't self-select the people that were on. I mean, they had booking agents that just brought people in that were promoting stuff, and, and they had battles with the other DJs that were on the same station. And there was, there was some uncomfortableness going on. And I think that that's been completely lost in the podcast world in general. I mean, obviously there are exceptions, but people ever we we pick the people that we want to have on our podcasts. Everybody else does that too. It's a lot of self selection. It's a lot of circle jerks. You be on mine, I'll be on yours. We get along. Let's talk about this. I think we've really lost something by not having uncomfortableness. Well, maybe we should start like the Podfight Network, and we'll just get, <laughs> get different shows and cross pollinate with different guests with different points of view, and actually have conversations and discussions. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I but you know, that's kind of in general uh, a feeling that I kind of have about the entire internet. Anyways, we are so easily able to filter things out now that we just basically create a beautiful little bubble around us that can't be disturbed. Yeah, I mean, there is something to be said for you know being uncomfortable and getting out of your comfort zone and. And having having good old fashioned arguments. I one of the agree. one of the best things about being in Europe is sitting around at a pub with a Welshman. Because <laughs> I tell you what, no matter what your point of view is, it's going. There's going to be opposite, and you will argue for hours, and it's it's a blast. It's a total blast. And yeah, maybe we, maybe we we'll start the Welshman podcast. You know any Welshman? Um, no. Well, yes, yes, I do actually. Well, let's Actually, get him on the show. He, well, he probably will be. One, he's a hopeful future guest. Uh, Carl Wallinger from World Party is Welsh. So, excellent. Um, yes, yeah, so when I'm over in London, I'm hoping to figure out uh, scheduling to be able to go sit with him and uh, call into you and do a little show. So nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, one of the other great, great uh, argumentative podcasts was the uh, the Adam Carolla Gavin Newsom episode. Oh yes, that that I totally forgot about that one until you just mentioned it right now. That was wonderfully uncomfortable. Yeah, and I mean, it made national news. It was so uncomfortable, but <laughs> Gavin got his ass handed to him on a plate. <laughs> yes, he did, and uh, yeah, I mean that's a perfect example of why why politicians rarely go off and, and do anything like a podcast or show up on radio. So, but uh, yeah, I, I, a lot of props for Corolla on that one. He he really just didn't let up and, and left it uncomfortable and kept it uncomfortable the entire interview. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. The um, one of the things that I wanted to bring back up that uh, since we were talking about Ev before, mm-hmm. um, remember I was telling you about the the six page note that I sent Evan about you know making Twitter ephemeral, and yes. I want I want the ability to make my tweets go away, and that's that ghost tweet app that uh, we talked about one time. Yeah, and I'd never kind of put the two and two together that basically what I envisioned is Snapchat. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's exactly it. That, I, make, I that makes your two together. Snapchat's more about making your boobies disappear, but uh, yeah, pretty much same See, thing. That's why. That's why I never thought about it because from the instant I heard about it, all all I knew what it was about was sexting. That was it. Kids were using Snapchat. That's that's what I figured too. But then I found out that they have like a one billion dollar valuation. I mean, we all know that these are bullshit, anyways. But I thought Snapchat was just this tiny little fringe thing used by the kids to send each other, you know, masturbation fodder. Yeah, and they're doing three hundred and fifty million shots a day. That's a lot of tits. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) You might want to go sneak into their office. They're right down the street from you. Oh, I know. I drove past it the other day. That's, I was thinking about them as well. Um, yeah, I saw that you had put up a story about them, actually. Yeah, um, the, the story is about their new thing called Stories, which is yeah. a 24-hour view that's totally ephemeral and goes away. 
Right. So it's just becoming more like Facebook a little bit in terms of creating like a... Yeah, I, I, this is just where I start to become, I guess, old. Maybe this is my first glimpse at me becoming my parents, where I'm just, uh, do we need another version of this? Do we need a... Uh, there's, it does the same thing as other things do. I don't get it. It doesn't do the same things that other well, things it, do it, because it automatically deletes it, which is exactly what I told Evan he should have done. So he could have had two <laughs> companies, that are the two multi-billion dollar companies instead of just one. Right. Uh, okay. This, I, I, so here's no, no, because this pissed me off. Listen to my advice, people. Okay. Because I might be a few years ahead, but stuff it away and then do it later. Because <laughs> I was spot on with this one. You were, you were definitely. But I still just don't even see the point. Why would I want to create something that just disappears after 24 hours? I don't because get it. that because it's you know it you after 24 hours you lose context. You okay. know, that's and it's it's being in the moment, and I think that's what kids like a lot about it is that. They can still stay in touch with their friends. They see what's going on, but they they don't have that stigma right. of, you, you know, whatever you put on the internet's going to be there forever. Well, no, it's not. That really so, snarky, bitchy comment I wrote about Janet. She won't be able to see after tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> so there, there's, you know, there's a desire for people to have that kind of open communication without the, you know, the historical ramifications coming back to bite you in the ass. Right. Gotcha. Well, I, you know, I, I, I kind of get that, but I just don't get it personally. And speaking of things I don't get personally and uh, useless uh, social networks that already kind of existed in one way, shape, or form, happy third birthday, Instagram. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's its third birthday today, and, you know, congrats on all the money that the handful of you made with no discernible business plan whatsoever, other than selling out your uh, entire company to another company that has no discernible business plan whatsoever but has well, the a news, lot of money <laughs> the news came down yesterday that uh instagram will be shoving ads in our streams so yeah they're they yeah well we all knew that was coming how could it not uh, so well, yeah now that they have the facebook ad machine behind them exactly it makes, makes total sense yeah mm. speaking of other useless social networks you remember path Vaguely, it's for smaller. Yeah, it's for smaller social networks. You, right. you, it's, you're limited. Um, that was the first place I really saw people using those round profile icons, mm-hmm. and now they're everywhere, and I cannot stand them. <laughs> I don't. Know. What's wrong with the square? Seriously, what's wrong with the square? Well, you know, the square's old, and and we need new, 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 new. Let's make it oh. look new. Squares are for squares. Exactly. You want to be cool, right? You want to be in the circle. You want to be in the Google circle. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Jesus. Oh. So uh, I also saw that uh, one of your your sites that you pimped before Fab dot com is uh, speaking of not out making any money. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're dumping a bunch of people. Yeah, well, uh, I mean it, it's a great site, but how much money can you really make just uh, being a curating site? Uh, you know, again, one billion dollar valuation, absolutely ridiculous. And and finally, the the market seems to have caught up with that idea, and they're going to have to scale back. I mean, Fab dot com, I think, is a valid business model that will last a very long time and can be very successful, but not as successful as they thought they could be. Yeah, it, it just they went got too big, got too greedy, and, and not sustainable. So, when, and from the the article I read, it sounds like they're actually cutting the older staff that was there. It, like the older staff, because they've changed business models somewhat, so they're pivoting, as the kids would say. <laughs> so they're killing some old people in redundancies and consolidating. And, and probably the larger salaries. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. So, you know, at least they're, I, they're, I don't, looking, they're looking to the future to, like, 
to their profitability. So yeah. it's not just, oh, we're, we're running out of money. We've got to get rid of everybody. It's like, no, we just need to streamline and focus. Yeah. I just wanted to bring it up because they were one of your, your faves before. Uh, and they still are, and I, I don't see this as a bad thing. I think that, the, like I said, they just kind of overstep their boundaries. And, and you know, as long as they keep up the good editorial job that they've been doing with their products, I, I still love to look at it every now and then. I just don't order things that often because, you know, I'm trying to kind of do your Spartanized thing. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm in the forced Spartanized. Oh, it's called being broke. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that too. Uh, the nice thing about the government shutdown is there's nobody home at the IRS right now. <laughs> really? Actually, strangely enough, I got a letter from the IRS yesterday. And, you know, it was kind of nice because this is a, normally that's really, really bad news. But they just sent me a letter saying, oh, you have paid off blah, blah, blah. Well, which I did six years ago. But apparently they just got around to sending me a letter about it. Well, the postal system is, is also in trouble. So <laughs> that's true. It, they, they they probably sent it before the last government shutdown, and it just got to you. Yeah, I'm not so sure about this whole government shutdown thing. I, do they really want us to know how little we actually need them? I haven't noticed much of a difference. Uh, the people that uh, work for the government uh, that pulled a paycheck, I'm sure they notice big yeah, time. They're definitely noticing. But uh, post office is open here, so they didn't shut yeah, that I'm, down. Well, I'm pretty sure that's considered. Uh, um, a necessary function essential services or whatever yeah essential yeah. services mm-hmm. so, but hey the nsa is also on vacation sweet yeah there's a, there was an article that i was reading yesterday about um how severe they think that the uh the the nsa shutdown is going to be like with in regards to people planning attacks on us and <laughs> so everybody's out planning right now because nobody's listening it's like oh god sure too, they are yeah too much fear mongering it's it's not like the hard drives aren't running and the information isn't being collected. There's just not a huge staff force going through everything right at the moment. So even if you sit here and say Tomahawk missile blow up, blow up, blow up, hit the hit the, um, you know they'll they'll still find you. It might just take another week or two. Yeah. <laughs> so look out next week. Yes, exactly. Since you, you're the one that said it, it wasn't me. Brian, Brian is the one that said it. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> In the news. So I found an article this week that backs up something that I've been saying for a long time. <laughs> Beer makes you more creative. Uh, I fully agree with you on this. So, But uh, I love the article. It was fantastic. There's, yeah, there's, it's, it's science. It's coffee versus beer, which, which makes you more creative. Mm-hmm. And hands down, beer does. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, just my own experience in life tells me this is definitely true. Um, I use coffee to amp myself up and, and burn, make myself burn through a bunch of rote procedures and programming and boring stuff that is not creative. It'll get me through it really, really fast and make me do it. But, uh, creative from coffee? Hell no. That comes from beer. We all know that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so somebody posted a thing on my, my Facebook wall the other day, uh, Mm -hmm. in wine, there is wisdom in beer. There is freedom in water. There is bacteria. Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Um, you know, as much as I, I, you know, why are there a lot of famous drunk artists, but no famous drunk accountants? That's a great little line from the article. So this is worth a read. It's quite funny. Um, I, I agree that that is alcohol that kind of unleashes your creativity because a lot of that's just about stepping outside of the kind of regular boundaries that we put on ourselves throughout day. Um, you know, it, it can either become a creative thing or it can become, I'm going to hit on that, you know, 10 foot blonde over there. <laughs> Um, either way, but I, I do still hold to my, to my, what I call my pool theorem, which is if I walk up to a pool table and try to play a game with you completely sober, I will suck. If I've had three or four beers, I'm a little lubed up. I will play really, really well. Once I have another three or four beers, I will suck again. 
And I think yep. the creativity falls right in that as well. You'll, you will be really, really creative if you're a little bit lubed up and the ideas will just get more and more dumb as you drink more and more beer. Absolutely. There is a tipping point. Yes. <laughs> the, t- the tipsy point. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good little article. It's cool. I liked it. It was, it was, uh, it was funny. And, uh, you know, I agree 100%. Yep. And they do, they do say that like, you, you hit the point of diminishing returns after two beers, which I, I, I take umbrance with. Well, they they don't take into account our uh, tolerance levels. <laughs> yes, in, inhuman tolerant le- levels are uh, one thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of creative types, um, I saw that uh, Dave Stewart, who uh, was kind of the the you know the uh, musical genius behind the Eurythmics, um, he's also a, a very well known behind the scenes producer, extremely talented guy, uh, really amazing musician. Uh, hit back on uh, I guess a while ago Tom York had posted an article about how why he hates Spotify and nobody should be on it Um, he now disagrees with some caveats (laughs) he thinks Spotify Spotify is now a a pretty good thing but only if everybody in the entire world picks one streaming service and pays for it and it hits critical mass if all of that happens he says they will in theory make as much money as an artist as they did in the old days from record labels. Now, what does he count as everybody? How many people does it take to hit critical mass? Well, he's not, he's not an accountant (laughs) and he doesn't get into anything like that. He's just, he's, he doesn't get into any specific numbers. He he talks a lot about the numbers like back in the day, uh, what they used to make and things like that. But he doesn't, uh, he doesn't talk specifically about how many people it needs, but in the article, they talk about, uh, you know, maybe 93 million additional subscribers in the near future that Spotify could pick up. Um, I, I, I sort of agree with this. I think that, I think that, well, the deck is stacked in terms of this will work for established artists. It's not going to help for people that are just starting out anymore because they don't... Spotify isn't exactly funding tours or or putting in promotion on people. This works if people already know about you. So it's only kind of picking up one one part of the slack that's been left behind by the record labels. Yeah, I have one issue with picking one service. That makes no difference. Those, Those royalty rates are pretty much set in stone. For streaming services, actually, so if, they're they're not at all. They're not. They're, no, royalty rates oh. are not. They're they're negotiated on a per service basis, and by tons of lawyers. One of which happens to be my wife. <laughs> I will take that as an expert opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they are not set in stone at all. They are completely uh, renegotiated. They're negotiated on the first deal. They're renegotiated. They can be renegotiated on a per artist basis. Uh, for example, Lady Gaga has a higher rate of revenue on some services than other artists do because her lawyers went in and argued for it. So Now in the old days didn't ASCAP and BMI set standard rates for radio play and jukebox play and Yes, but the uh, subscription services are not considered radio play. Okay. So it's it's yeah, it's it's a weird wild world out there. Because it would make it would make sense for them to standardize, so we could have more streaming services instead of just these. You know, the only two that you can choose from, or three. Yeah. Is Mog, is Mog still around? Uh, I think that one's gone. I think it's pretty much just RDO and Spotify now that are in terms of like the big subscription services. Yeah, because I, so. I pay for I pay for RDO, not Spotify, because it's still so fucking ugly. <laughs> it is pretty ugly. But it's, it's. I mean, it's an interesting take. It would be nice if somebody pulled out a calculator and actually figured out what that critical mass number would be, because Spotify only has what six million paid users right now. Yeah, something like that. It's it's quite low. So, um, I agree with his 
thought in theory, though. I mean, definitely, if everybody were to actually pay for the service, then perhaps artists would actually start making some money again. Um, but people don't. So, and yeah. I'm, you know, why would they? Everybody's quite okay with sitting through the occasional thirty-second commercial every ten songs or so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I've always paid for these services. I've never used the free versions. Yeah, far more people are sticking with the free than actually paying for it. So, okay. Well, uh, to come back to something that we talked about last week with people mm-hmm. trying to get famous on YouTube, <laughs> I'm sure, well, this, this video of a uh, rather, rather fetching young lady quitting her job to a Kanye West song has now hit 13.3 million views. And she was on the Today Show, as always happens if you become viral now. Yeah, yes. the Today Show will pick up anybody. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yes, they will. Uh, but it was, it was pretty fun. I, I would, didn't think I was going to like it, but uh, she does a pretty good job. She can dance. No, I, I really enjoyed it as well. I thought it was very clever. Um, obviously, she put some time and effort into it, but it doesn't feel like it was staged and planned ahead of time. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, this would be really funny if I did this. And then she thought about it and made it good. Um, really enjoyed it. So it was, it was quite funny, and she seems very clever and uh, definitely will probably not have a problem getting a job anywhere else. Although there was a follow-up. The, the maligned company has, has made an effort at damage control by doing their own version, saying that they're hiring. Yeah, i gotta, I got to track this down and see that <laughs> yeah. for sure. Because <laughs> they're a company that produces videos, so I'm hoping they did at least a decent job of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, she did, you know, why... It was, it was very good. She did a really good job. I, don't, I have nothing else to say about it. I, I see something like that, and I'm thrilled, and then I go for my bike ride down here in Venice Beach, and I see everybody with their GoPro cameras trying to set up their viral videos, and then I get upset again. So, <laughs> Put your blinders on. Put exactly. Your blinders on. Exactly. I don't think I really have any other news this week, but everything's been uh, shut down, shut down, shut down, and that, that poor girl that got killed yesterday. Yeah, was, yeah, I still I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think anybody really understands that story yet. But apparently, there was a letter left. Apparently, that uh, they just haven't released the details on. So maybe we'll get some explanation from that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go there. Oh, I, I, well, I have a bit of news. Um, this <laughs> this is just something that might introduce or uh, be interested to the uh, the boozers that listen to us. Um, I was over at the uh, Roosevelt. Well, I went to the Italian food festival that Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel do every year here in LA um, which was you know fine great walk around have some pizza have a little sangria Uh, but it was right over by the Roosevelt Hotel if you're here in Los Angeles it's old famous hotel they have a bar in there called the library bar it's not the main bar Um, it's off to the side it's really small and it's they have no menu all they have are serious mixologists and you basically just say a flavor or a thought or whatever and they will concoct a beverage for you so um, it's a fantastic bar. You just got to go there. You can walk up to the bar and just say, I want something smoky, and you will have something that you've never, ever had before. It's completely just made up on the spot and absolutely fantastic drinks. Really, really pricey. But the one thing that he, the bartender was working on at the time, and he had it out, and I asked him, what is that? Um, and you can just do this at home, and it was fantastic. Banana Jameson. What? He took a whole bottle of Jameson. It poured it into, you know, one of those lovely looking, whatever the hell they're called, just big glass, a whole bottle of Jameson. <laughs> you, mean, you mean a jar? <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, there's, there's a fancy name for fancy jars, whatever the hell that is. So he, he like basically a, made Jameson or banana infused Jameson. Yeah, and he cut up banana and let it sit in there for three or four days. Something I never would have thought to do myself. Delicious. 
Oh, man, I'm going to have to try that. Absolutely delicious. I came up with the idea when I got home, and this could be one of those, like, a few too many drinks creativity things, but Mm -hmm. uh, I thought about, actually, if if you caramelize the bananas first and then put them in, I wonder how that would taste. Well, it's worth a shot. Yeah, it's definitely worth a shot. shot. So there's some booze news. <laughs> and I used to make my own infused vodkas, which which was kind of fun. I did so, too. I haven't done yeah. that in a long time because it just got too dangerous having a huge pile of cherry vodka sitting around the house. It really does get get kind of crazy. Although uh, my friend Steve, he made raspberry infused tequila that was out of this world. Mm, that sounds lovely. Yeah, it, tequila is just the devil's juice, so I, I don't recommend anybody do it. But tequila it does tasty. not affect me like that. I, I know many, many people that just cannot do tequila. Uh, well, they can, but very, very bad things happen. Yeah, it makes me very punchy. <laughs> tequila makes my pants fall off. <laughs> that too. <laughs> it's time in the balls. On the show today um, to talk about a previous Kickstarter, Soma Water, that we, that we talked about when uh, Dr. David Teeter was on. But unfortunately, he got hit by a car, as, uh, as we talked about before, and he is back in the hospital today. So he could not join us, unfortunately. So yes. get better soon, dude, please. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the Soma Project, people are not very happy. No, 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 they're not. Um, I'm actually just even, I just loaded up the page right now that, that we'll have in our, in our notes on our site. And the first thing I see is someone's comment strange that my comment from sunday was deleted i still haven't received my product (laughs) yep and people in canada were having to pay like 40 bucks in in duties coming across the the border uh apparently it dribbles a lot it's not going uh very well no these people it does not seem to be going well um it's it's funny because yeah the um a good friend of ours uh wendy and mark did their kickstarter as well and as I've been arguing all along, one of the big problems I have with Kickstarter is that generally these people don't really, they don't really know how to, how to run companies or they've never really done this sort of thing before and they don't take into account. There's just simple things like, of course, you're going to have to pay international shipping fees and duties. You just have to. And, the, and not being aware of that and not making you know, full disclosure about these things when you open it up, well, you should have known better. Yeah, definitely. And there's a uh, – well, r- real quick before I move on to the mm-hmm. next one. The, um, there are apparently – we're trying to track these down. So there are apparently investors who are posting in the comments who are not saying that they're – like the actual investors right. in the product. Not the Kickstarter investors, but actual investors who are like, you know – So trying to see in their, putting in their, positive yeah. comments. Yeah. So it seems a little shady. And they're finally pulling back on some of their, their claims, their health claims, because they don't have any of the uh, any of the certifications yet. The ANSI NSF 42 and 53 are two of the ones that they're they're undergoing, they say. But, you know, the the claims that they made before were completely unfounded. David yeah. was to- David was totally right on that. Yeah, he was spot on. And, and now they're getting in a bit of trouble about it. So, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. So the uh, the guys from the other really cool Kickstarter I like uh, called Spark, mm-hmm. which is a little it's a kind of a little breadboard with a Wi-Fi adapter that you can plug it to electronics in. It's kind of like a, I think it is an Arduino based board that you can you know do home maker electronic projects that you can create devices that connect to the internet is yeah. basically what it is. It's yes. a little a little chip that connects your 
whatever else you're making to the internet. Yeah. The, um, the guy, Zach Spula from Spark, made a really good post about why Kickstarter projects are always delayed because mm-hmm. theirs are delayed right now. <laughs> so anybody that's going to make any kind of physical product that they want to do a Kickstarter on needs to read this article because he is, it's, it's a really well-written article about supply chains, parts, delays, milling, manufacturing, the whole nine yards. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've read through the article as well. I mean, he's pretty spot on. This is the exact kind of experience that that our friends have had as well. Um, you know, if, it, when you get into it and you're relying on third parties, they, they vendors, they can be late. They, what they send, send you can be wrong. You're probably doing this kind of mostly in your spare time unless you've got an insane amount of funding and you were able to luckily quit your job or whatever. Um, things just in general take longer than you think they're going to. Absolutely. And you're going to run into problems that you couldn't possibly anticipate. And whatever deadline that you set for yourself, you're going to, you're going to miss. <laughs> it just happens. It happens uh, just as contractors. You and I, Jason, we know this uh, with all of the projects that we always take on. I always pad. I try to do the Star Trek, you know, Scotty rule. Say it's going to take eight hours when you know it's only going to take you four hours. So if you get it in under eight hours, you look like a hero. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my, my, my rule of thumb is when you're 90% there, you're halfway done. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that, too. <laughs> yeah, that comes in handy a lot when I'm doing, doing some of these contracting websites. 90% there, halfway done. Yeah. It's the way it always is. It's all, always the little stuff at the end that you're polishing. You know, you're trying to make perfect. And that stuff just takes longer. If you want to make something good, if you want to make something crappy, you can rush it out. But, yeah. you know, I like quality work, not, <laughs> not, not crap. So... We've always complained about Kickstarter that nobody gets a percentage of the the things that they're funding. Yeah, you're you're asking to invest without actually getting any of the benefits of actually investing. Now, this isn't the same thing, but it's very similar. Now that uh, President Obama's Jobs Act has gone through, it lifts a lot of the restrictions on private investors. Okay. So you can now become an accredited investor without having a million dollars in the bank. I think you only have to have twenty five hundred dollars in the bank. Yep. And you can then become accredited. And we're seeing sites pop up now that are kind of like Kickstarter for startups. Right. And Tim Ferriss did one last week. He raised uh, $250,000 for a startup called Ship. And he did it in 53 minutes by just saying, hey, guys, come join me in this round. People, people saw it on his website. They went in and invested. Yeah. So now, but now they have a cut. Yeah, <laughs> and, which is- I, I like that a lot more. Uh, I'm a little concerned about the name you pick. Ship is a little too close to Jip, which worries me about this sort of thing. But, uh, well, Tim Ferriss is obviously, I mean, he's got a platform. He's got followers. He's got people that are into it. And I'm glad that he leapt in right away with this, actually, because you don't want to see a failure as the first big project. So good luck. And I like this so much more than Kickstarter. This is great. Yeah. Like AngelList is, I think, where he did it. Um Kevin Rose is jumping in on this too. He's he's got a great track record. So if I had any money, I would be following what he does for sure. Mm-hmm. He and Tim both have. I think Kevin has a, a better track record than Tim, but right because um, he's he's been investing longer. But it's yeah, I think it's really cool that I, if we could bring that number down, so or or have Kickstarter, you know, have a, a wing of Kickstarter that was for accredited investors, where you get a piece of the company for a product. So if I, you know, I want to start widget a, I don't have to go out and create a startup and try and do these, these big rounds. I could do something smaller and, and fund yeah. it that way and, and still, you know, give out stock in the company. 
Right. So yeah. I think it'd be the way to go. It's, it's definitely, uh, it's an idea I have absolutely no philosophical issues with. This is great. I'm, I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there's a risk involved, but mm-hmm. the same as that's, that's that's any, any investment. Yeah. And as we see from people on Kickstarter, even just trying to get their Soma water, there's risks there, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know how you had that pet peeve uh, about the circles for the icons? Yeah. Does every single one of these sites that either comes from Kickstarter or Angel Investing have to do this scroll down thingy? Everybody does this for their sites now. Uh, look at ship dot com. It's when you just like as you scroll down, it's one. The site is one long page that brings things in and out. Everybody does this. It just yeah. seems like every single site on Kickstarter, everybody's using this template now. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's <laughs> there's a, my pet peeve of the day. Yeah, it's a standard design uh, uh, thing. I guess I can't remember what you call it, but <laughs> yeah, they, they're yeah. using it a lot. Yeah, everybody's using this kind of template for their sites right now. Stand out. Do something different, people. I mean, honestly, it, I like it because it's all your info's on one page. You're not, you're not clicking through page after page after page of stuff. And then you, because you don't need, you know, if it's going to be a five page site, yeah. why not just put it all on one page and scroll and, no, you know, I, ha- I, have triggers and targets that, that I agree you. because there's so, there's so little actual information on any of these sites. It's a great way to display it, it's at least visually engaging. So. Yeah, the what, what, man, I ran across one. This is another giant pet peeve of mine. People have sites that have infinite scroll now. Like if you're on Pinterest oh, or Twitter, God, yes. People who put footers under the infinite scroll that you can never get to, but you can see when you get to the bottom of the page and while the content's loading it, and then the footer goes away. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're fucking more. If you're doing an infinite scroll site, don't do a footer. Yeah, it's common sense, but yeah. I, I see these sites all the time, and they're nice-looking sites with you know lots of staff members, where somebody should have like raised their hand and say, oh, "Excuse me, um, you see those links? Yeah, well, you can't get to them." Uh, Oops. Maybe I can Kickstarter a a Kickstarter hmm. a, an infinite scroll template site that has absolutely no footer on it. Okay, okay. I'm in. Cool. Welcome to this week in shit we put on our computers. I've been doing a lot more writing recently, and I pulled out an app that I've had for years that I just kind of put off to the side and forgot about when I stopped doing like semi-professional blogging for right. a living. It's called Scrivener 2. Mm-hmm. Well, back then it was just called Scrivener. Now it's Scrivener <laughs> 2. They've upgraded. And it is one of the single best writing apps if you're doing anything that requires um, research, right. research or note taking. It has all of these great tools like corkboards and. But no it, journalism requires research anymore. Oh, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> no, this looks fantastic. I, I'm I'm just looking at the screenshots and where has this been all my life? I'm going to have to get this. Absolutely, yeah. If you're doing any kind of writing, it's for blogging, especially for me. It would it was a lifesaver because I just grab all my notes to save my links in, throw video in, do whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing like character driven stuff you can have character boards and it, it all in all it's great you can do chapter reordering right there there they've got a ton of video tutorials most of them are for the mac but most of it translates over to the pc side because they do have a pc version right but if you're doing any kind of writing i cannot recommend this app highly highly enough it's uh 45 bucks so it's not not super cheap no but i have um i've only paid once and i that was years ago so I think they, they do honor upgrades, and it's just it's well worth the money if you do any writing. Yeah, and it looks beautiful. 
Yeah, and it, it's just it works so great. I wish they had like an iPad version. So I could, uh, that was my next question. <laughs> no, it's it's so deep. I don't know if they're ever going to do one. Right, they have to be pretty dumbed down. Yeah, so. or or have some very clever interface techniques. Yeah, just because well. with all the multi panes and all this stuff in here, lots of you'd have to do lots of swiping. I think to get <laughs> to the stuff that you need to find. Yeah, yeah, and uh, man, yeah, I'm so happy to like find it in my app folder i totally had forgotten about it i was trying all those text editors for the ipad and i told you about the ones i liked last week yeah and nothing really yeah i can write on the ipad but it's just not nothing like having a keyboard because i can just i can go so much faster uh, i've got on my a laptop agree with you 100 percent. i actually tried uh, quite a few of of the ones that you had recommended and i still just i, I have i can't sit and write anything long on the ipad Maybe I need one of those. Uh, maybe I need the new Windows Surface with the keyboard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't go there, man. Don't go there. I'm not going there. Don't worry. <laughs> so, and I also picked up uh, Infinity Blade 3 this week. Dork. They, hi, man. I, I played one and two. <laughs> I loved them. I finished, I, I finished Infinity Blade 2 in a day, which really bummed me out. It, was, it wasn't that deep. But <laughs> Infinity Blade 3, I, I've been going for a couple days, and I'm, I'm still pretty, pretty low on the totem pole. Uh, it's it's huge, mm-hmm. and they they demoed this you know when they did the the big keynotes for Apple because it's such a such a pretty game. It looks it, stunning. I mean, it uses the Unreal Engine. With the fact that they can get the Unreal Engine to work on this thing is amazing too. <laughs> but the gameplay is almost identical to the the old ones. This time you can play multiple characters, which is fun. The worlds are massive. The it, I mean, once you learn how to beat one of the one of the bosses, you can beat all the bosses. Mm-hmm. So that part it's it's kind of mindless swiping, <laughs> but it's seven bucks, so it, which is a little steep. But for the size of the, the size of the thing, I think it's one point. No, it's two point one gig. Wow, that's, much, that's yeah. big for a game. Yeah, that's for, pretty big. For, I mean, for your phone. But I the real surprising thing for me was because I got it since I got the five S, and I figured oh it's going to play great on the five S. And for shits and giggles, I put it on my iPad mini thinking it was going to be a dog. Mm-hmm. It plays great. Wow. It is super fast, super um, uh, responsive. I got no complaints. And I like playing it better on the iPad because it's, you know, it's so pretty. You want to you see it on a bigger screen. Yeah. Kind of like how I felt with Plants and Zombies. Yeah, for yeah. About two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played that one through on my mini too. I love my iPad mini. I can't wait for the new one to come out. I am yeah. definitely going to get uh, the next one I'm getting is going to have LTE in it. I'm sick of this Wi-Fi crap. I want to take this thing out with me and be able to use it on the road. <laughs> and I'm uh, not going to pay for tethering through my AT&T account because I still got grandfathered in on my data package and I'm not touching that thing. Yeah, I'd keep that forever if you can. And they did. They, I got a I got a text from them saying that uh, I I already downloaded three gigabytes of data over my phone mm-hmm. and that next month it might be slower for me. How the hell can you call that unlimited when it's no. capped like that? Yeah, throttling is not unlimited. That yeah. doesn't count, people. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so the the big news with the 5S was the that M7 chip that does all of the crazy uh, calculations with the magnetometer, the accelerometer. It's like always on and always capturing. Yeah. So I've been waiting for somebody to actually come up with a good app that takes advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, somebody has. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it was, I guess this was a coding exercise um, where this guy was just trying to figure out how to use, uh, use the data that the M7 collects and mm-hmm. it just made a very bare bones pedometer out of it. It literally tells you 
how many steps you took today, how many steps you've taken in the last seven days, and you can turn on a, a little switch that shows the uh, the steps you've taken that day in the badge of the app, so you don't even have to open the app. No, that's super nice. It's perfect. Right. And t- so today, I kept my phone in my pocket all day, everywhere mm-hmm. I went, and compared it with my Fitbit, mm-hmm. almost step for step. Wow. So that M7 chip really works. So far, so good. I, wow. I was amazed. This would be like the only reason for me to actually want to upgrade now <laughs> to get accurate counts. I'd like to, I mean, hopefully, you know, I, uh, it doesn't matter for me until I do the upgrade, but uh, hopefully like all the apps that we've been talking about, especially Moves, which I still love, will incorporate that in their next update for, for you lucky 5S people. Yeah, I love this thing so far. The camera is amazing. It's, I'm digging it. I'm totally digging it. So, And this is, I mean, I'm not going to use it for my my tracking but it's nice to know that i can just instead of having to pull out my fitbit i can just look at just glance at the phone and see where i'm at yeah i mean you definitely it's the more things that i start to carry the more i just want one item for everything so that's that's probably why even even until i get a 5s or if whatever i do i'll i'm not going to do a fitbit again because i'm just used to i like having the app and not having to carry around a second thing um but speaking of ios 7 and all that uh, i'm getting used to it it, it really annoyed me at first, but uh, eh, ah, I'm used to it. I, I still hate the way it looks. Uh, you know, all the things we talked about last week with the icons and all that sort of stuff. But uh, it's fast. Uh, some of the, you know, the swiping, you were right. I got used to it. A lot of those things I got used to. Uh, the double click on the homepage, I love that. It's fantastic to bring up everything that you've been using recently. Uh, all right, Apple, you won again. <laughs> the one thing that I'm still not, I don't have the hang of is that double tap for switching from app to app. I only remember it when I'm trying to take a password from one password and put it into a new app that I put in <laughs> right. to log into something. But I usually tap it, go to the homepage, swipe around, look for the app, go back. It's like, oh, I got to get that habit out of my yeah, head. Yeah, I finally got the double, the double tap habit going and it makes everything so much faster. It's great. Did you, did you turn off the, uh, the motion stuff with the, the wobbly backgrounds? No, I've actually left it on, uh, and I've gotten really used to it, and I like seeing the little you know, sperm blobs move around. I'm, I'm fine with it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a definite little it's a speed hit, so I turned it off, and I noticed a, a, I got a little bit more responsive bump. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not really like playing games or anything on my phone, so it doesn't bother me too much. But uh, well, I wasn't. I'm not talking about games. I'm just talking about general navigation. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm also not like in an incredible hurry with my phone. I'm like, oh my god, I have to get to my Instagram account right now. What kind of slacker are you? Jesus. I, uh, I'm just way more easygoing, man. Optimize for productivity. <laughs> <laughs> there was, uh, oh, what was the other thing I was going to tell you about? Oh, the fingerprint crapioka. Oh, yeah. I talked to a friend of mine who just got the upgrade, and he is not having any of the issues that you were having. He said it's worked basically for him 100% every time. And I've, I've talked to a couple other people, and they say it's super fast and you know pops right in. Mine is not fast. It got slower, and the recognition got down to about 50% one day. Huh. So I turned it off. I, I might go back and rescan, mm-hmm. but I'm ho- here's, I'm, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping I got a faulty fingerprint sensor and I can get a free one later. That's what I'm thinking, too. It's either that or it's your fingers, man. Yeah, it could be. I got those, <laughs> those weird chubby programmer fingers, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. My, my thumbprint's worn off from hitting the space bar for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, go find some new apps next week. I'm tired of being the only one that brings anything. All right. I'll delve back into the app world and mess around. I'll have something for next week. Excellent. Look at what the fucking cat dragged in. Last week, uh... 
Bob Lefsitz from the Lefsitz letter, who we've discussed a couple times, sent out another one of his missives. Now, usually he just, well, he started off basically just talking about the music industry, and this is kind of a, just a music industry list, but he's gotten more and more tech and more and more overall culture uh, recently, obviously, for because there's not much going on in the music industry, and it's all kind of blended in together. Um, he sent out one called Hype. It's having a resurgence, he says. Um, basically, the gist of the article is uh, we're all just buried in things, and, and social networks have failed us in terms of finding things that we like and, and how you know the old culture, the old media institutions that we all thought were going to die are basically becoming our filters again um, because there's just too much stuff out there. It's too hard to find. We need, we need filters that we trust that aren't necessarily our friends, Blah, blah, blah. And he ends with, so the rich get richer and the poor bitch and eventually give up. And his thrust being, the internet has failed us once again. Yeah, bitch, bitch, moan, moan. <laughs> did you ever, there was a, uh, a great video that Clay Shirky did a couple years ago called uh, Filter Failure. Or it's basically information overload isn't the problem. Filter failure is the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a great piece. I'm, I got to put that in the show notes for sure. I love Clay. He's one of one of my favorite guys, and this this left left shits guy <laughs> is is really just kind of starting to piss me off with whining about how he can't filter properly. It, he, kids don't complain about this stuff, you know. I don't see my brother. He's twenty one or twenty two now. Jesus, um, <laughs> he, he he and his friends don't complain about it. They go about their daily lives and they know where to get the stuff that they want to get. You know, it's, it's people who have been spoon fed their entire life that don't have their the mental tools or the, you know, the technologies to figure out where to find the stuff that they want to read or want to see or uh, whatever they want to consume. Right. They're the ones that are bitching about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I see your point, but I also see that that at least in the in culture now and particularly for younger generations, there aren't a lot of subcultures. It is kind of a homogenous Everybody is going to listen to Miley Cyrus, and that's that. You don't have a lot of, of the different things that you would be getting if there were these bigger filter systems out there. That's um, absolutely untrue. Okay. Absolutely untrue. Tell me, tell people, me why. <laughs> no, I think it's easier for people to get into their own niches. You know, Like I said, because I, I, my brother is my, my cultural reference point because okay. he's, tw- he's 20 years younger than I am. <laughs> so I watch what him and his friends are doing and they've got their own different subcultures and he's got subcultures within subcultures, you know? Right. So I don't think, and even when I went up to, um, university of Wisconsin to go see him graduate, you could just see that it's not homogenous at all. Okay. By any stretch. All right. I think, I think it's just as, just as diverse, if not more diversified because people can find their tribes. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, my cultural reference points for, for that generation um, probably are coming at it a little bit differently from yours because I'm not seeing that. The people that I know that are in their early 20s are very much straight aboard whatever the hell you're going to see on the Today Show tomorrow that everybody else is posting. That's what they're into. They're not chasing after smaller niche things, and they're not even looking for them. They're just, uh, this is what's in their face. This is what they're, they're told to watch and look at, and everybody else is looking at it, so now I'm going to look at it too. Okay. I mean, and that's their group. <laughs> Which is, it's, yeah, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I guess I, I totally, you're right about Lefsis. He fucking bitches a lot, and he bitches, and he bitches, and he bitches. But then again, that's also what he's supposed to be doing. That's the point of his letter. Um, 
but I do tend to agree with so the rich get richer and the poor bitch and eventually give up. I, this, we've had this discussion. I mean, making money off the internet is why we started doing this. And we talked about how, you know, everybody's making a YouTube video, but it's the point zero 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 one percent that are actually going to make any money doing YouTube videos. Okay. So, <laughs> and what it's YouTube and, and the people that own the servers, the rich people that keep getting rich off that stuff and the poor bitch and eventually give up. He's right about that. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I, I mean, it's tough being poor. So, you know, you, it's, it's, you, it's tough to be poor. <laughs> you've, you've only got so many hours in the day. And I, I don't know the, 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 the poor definitely bitch. I got to say that I'm, I am in a not very affluent part of the country right now. Mm-hmm. And everywhere I go, it is, it, it's a, like a complaint society. Right. They all, that's what they do. They get together and they complain. <laughs> nobody, nobody tries to come up with a solution. They blame it on somebody else. Um, I don't know. I just, I, and that's one of the reasons I just want to, remove myself from that i like to everybody thinks i'm a pessimist but deep down i'm an optimist and i like to look for solutions instead of complaining about the problem oh i agree 100 percent with that and we don't see a lot of that on on either end of things i mean even the the people that are kind of optimistic aren't really trying to solve anything but uh i don't know how uh, yeah i guess this is this is a weird article that can hit you a bunch of different ways i, I definitely thought it was interesting and I, I totally see where you're coming at but i really do see his point as well and uh, it's hard. It's hard to figure out. There is no spoon. <laughs> well, I think we need to get him on the damn show because that would be fun. Actually, it would be fun because, uh, you know, you and I end up kicking around. I, if you're not subscribed to his newsletter and you're interested and um, when I first subscribed because everybody else in the music industry had and it was always just kind of being discussed. He used to just infuriate me. Every single one I got, I was just like, why the fuck am I reading this stupid shit? This guy doesn't know anything. Um, it makes you think. If nothing else, it does make you think. And you and I kick around half the emails that he sends out and, and have a few you know, words about it over email all the time. So it's good for, it's good for getting your, your mind thinking. And speaking of filters, you're mm-hmm. my filter for it because I subscribe to it and 90% of it bored me. So whenever there's an interesting one, you send it to me. That's, you're my filter for these. So, yeah, okay, we're proving him wrong. The social network filter is working in this case. Absolutely. At the library... Do you like Malcolm Gladwell? I do like Malcolm Gladwell. Then you will like his new book. Ooh, I heard he had a new one. David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants. Fancy. I, I, I just picked it up. Um, I'm only halfway through it mm-hmm. at this point, but I, I'm going to recommend it anyway. Because if you like his books, I mean, he does, a, he does a cool thing. He takes statistics and weaves a good story about it. Like Outliers, everybody talks about the 10,000-hour thing now because mm-hmm. he brought it up in Outliers that all experts have 10,000 hours, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This one is is very, very cool because it's taking on um, per, like perceived weakness and perceived strength and mm-hmm. when when a weakness is actually a strength and, you know, crazy right. underdog stories that aren't underdog stories. He totally – the first – I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to spoil it. Spoiler alert. He debunks in, the fir- it all. In, in the first chapter, he completely says Goliath never had a chance, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know states the case why, and it's it's compelling, and I dug it, I dug it. So uh, I, I've liked every single one of his books. He's he's a genius. He's a great creative thinker. He really 
he does the research, he puts the time in, he thinks these things through. Um, I, I heard he had a new book coming out. I wasn't aware that it was out already, so thank you for being a filter for me, Jason. Absolutely. Um, going to be downloading this and reading it immediately and love the concept. This sounds amazing. So. And I love, I love getting his books on Audible because he reads them, and he's actually a very good speaker. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen any of his TED Talks, they're really good. And I, I was reading an interview with him one time. They're like, how do you do, how are you, why are your TED Talks so good? Or why are all your speeches so good? He's like, because I practice, practice, practice. <laughs> he did his hours. Yeah, this is not, he doesn't get up and do these things off the cuff. Those, those speeches are completely rehearsed, completely, you know, edited for content and time. And, and his storytelling is, is, is really well done. So. I, I got no beef with Malcolm Gladwell at all, and this book is uh, not not a disappointment at all. Excellent. I will be downloading it tonight, and I will start reading it as soon as I finish the book that I've been reading this week, Dr. Sleep. It's fun. Uh, I was going to do, you know, I've been stuck in work mode, and I've been, you know, reading all these nonfiction deep thoughts with Jack Handy. Oh my God, my brain's going to explode books. And I just finally went, I need something fun. And lo and behold, Stephen King has a brand new book out. I love Stephen King. I love almost everything he's ever written. Dr. Sleep is a follow-up to The Shining. And uh, so far, I'm about three quarters of the way in. It's everything that you want from a Stephen King book. It's funny. It's dark. It has incredibly creepy elements. And it's very well written. Loving it. Now, did you uh, did you read the original novel, The Shining? I did read the original novel, The Shining, and I saw the movie. And I don't know if that's where you're going. Well, I just want to know how different <laughs> they are because I've seen the movie. I don't that generally, as a rule, don't read Stephen King books. Right, he's, he's not my cup of tea because there's always a, a fucking alien at the end. Um, not always, <laughs> most of the time. So, if I if I picked up this book, is it going to make sense because I've only seen the movie? Yes. Okay. Yes, it, it'll make sense because it basically it's it's the sun from from the movie. So you don't it's not you know, it's not a you could actually read this without ever having even seen or read The Shining. OK, um, it, it works as a standalone and it's highly enjoyable and it doesn't involve aliens. And spoiler alert, the kid lives <laughs> apparently at the end of The Shining. <laughs> Come on, the, the movie and the book. How long do we have to wait? When is it not too soon for a spoiler um it's actually i thought you might be going uh in the direction that uh about the movie version of the shining versus the book and how stephen king has never liked the movie version of the shining because that is obviously stephen king's off doing press about dr sleep and it's being brought up so um i i I see them both as their own entities I, i really enjoy the book i also i mean the movie is a classic i mean jack nicholson was amazing but I also see Stephen King's point because uh, the characters aren't quite the way that he wrote them. So, well, tough because the the movie was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is awesome, but it's not it's not quite the book. Um, I, I would go back and read The Shining and then read Doctor Sleep, but you don't have to. Uh, Doctor Sleep is obviously because it's now you know it's a uh, it's good it's good and it's modern and it's it's um i'm really enjoying it so far and it's great semi-mindless fun i can't ever say stephen king is mindless because he does have intense backstories that are really interesting and intriguing so good stuff yeah um, i definitely have to check it out and i i was listening to the adam savage podcast not too long ago and they they were talking about all this kubrick stuff and they were Mm -hmm. mentioning the blu-ray version of the shining right has amazing extras so i'm gonna pick that up and then maybe i'll i'll check the book out after that yeah i actually haven't seen the movie in probably 15 years so i might, yeah, that might be worth, worth another viewing as soon as i'm done with the book anyways <laughs> it's worth it for scatman crothers 
Yep, exactly. Awesome stuff. Yeah. And and trivia note, Scatman Crothers was also the voice of uh, Hong Kong Fooey. Was he that's really? What, that's what I was getting to. Yep, Hong Kong Fooey, number Kong one super Fui. guy. <laughs> wow. Digging deep. Hong Kong Fooey, quicker than the human eye. Chicka-chong, chicka-chong, chicka-chong. Tales from the Dark Web. That's what Ooh, everybody's saying today. The Dark Web. That's okay. You can do whatever so, you want this week. The NSA is not working. That's true. Well, they, they, <laughs> this guy missed it by missed it by that much. <laughs> <laughs> so the FBI caught this guy, Ross Ulbricht, who mm-hmm. apparently was the mastermind of the Silk Road, which was one of the larger – not one of the largest, if the largest criminal marketplace. Yeah. You basically did, get anything there. Did you ever check it out? I really, really, I, I'd heard about this about, I don't know, two years ago. And I was, I really always wanted to take a look at it and see what, what was going on. But uh, I was always a little too scared. Yeah. I'm a giant <laughs> pussy when it comes to that. I am not going anywhere near it. I do not want any kind of IP trail. I right. should have done it from your place. Oh yeah. Or, or <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. Well, no, because then they tie, tie location where uh, your phone is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, not good. Not good at all. Yeah, but apparently um, you could get anything on there. Drugs, uh, whatever. Murder. Murder, forged IDs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, obviously this stuff is uh, exists. And nailing one guy, I mean, there's got to be another one already, if not um, five or ten. <laughs> yeah, and the big news came up because to get to the Silk Road, you had to use Tor. Mm-hmm. Everything was on tour, so it was it was yes. off the beaten path of the internet. It yes. wasn't on the the re, real and regular internet. It was on the dark net. Um, so it came out today that uh, or the the Guardian are protectors of freedom now. Yes, um, the last fucking bastion of journalism, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they released a couple presentations about how the government, uh, our government, and the British, the GCHQ, are targeting the tour network. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, they're pretty funny slides. <laughs> it's worth it, it's worth uh, worth taking a peek at them. I'm going to link I'm going to link to the the uh, whole set of files mm-hmm. um, on the Guardian site. It's called the NSA files. Just look for anything that uh, uh, relates to Tor, and yeah. you'll, you'll see them. There's a couple. I think there's three of them. Yeah, there's a two, couple. There's two or three of them. Uh, it, but, just looking at this main page should just scare the crap out of you. <laughs> It's awesome. Which one? Just the NSA files, just that page. Oh, yeah. The, the direct one. I mean, NSA program collects nearly everything a user does on the internet. How Microsoft handled the N- handed the NSA access to encrypted messages. NSA collecting phone records of millions of Verizon customers daily. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, they have great code names for some of these. This one's, uh, was it peeling back, the, peeling back the layers of Tor with egotistical giraffe? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty funny stuff. And some of them are talking about uh, how the Tor browser didn't turn on NoScript by default, so JavaScript still worked. Yeah. And they're like, "Thanks for that." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's really funny, but it's a uh, oh yeah, yeah. The thanks to Tor button, it's easy. <laughs> you know, somebody who was writing these actually kind of got it and had a sense of humor. Yeah, Tor stinks so, presentation. <laughs> Yeah, before we had uh, erroneous ingenuity, commonly known as air, and then we had egotistical goat, and now we're up to egotistical giraffe. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it's it's a set of documents about a workshop that uh, the NSA and the GH, GCHQ were doing on how to crack tour. Mm-hmm. And the upside is it seems like they can't. 
<laughs> it does seem to be that that is the tour stinks presentation that I just alluded to, where they they flat out say we will never be able to de-anonymize all tour users all the time, but with a manual analysis, we can de-anonymize a very small fraction of tour users. <laughs> yeah, and they also say that that when they've tried to find one particular person, mm-hmm. they couldn't. Yeah, so that's so, good. So we do have a tiny, small bit of security still left in the world. Unfortunately, uh, basically, you're just like, you're, you're tarred by default if you use this because they'll just assume that you're doing something wrong even if you're just trying to be private. Well, the whole point of they just trying to find your IP is hard enough. Yeah. You know, so they're, tra- they're trying to do multi-vector analysis on when, when, what computers were online at that given time yeah. and who was on tour at that time and try and, you yeah. know, Backtrack piece it all together. There. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's and it's it's interesting because they say that you know the critical mass of their targets use Tor, mm-hmm. and scaring them away from using Tor might be counterproductive because they want to keep them there so they know where to look for them. Yeah, yeah. We so, know anybody using this is probably doing something bad, so please stay on it and don't switch to something else. Yeah, until we can figure out how to look at you, stay there. Don't <laughs> don't don't go away. So I, this might this uh, this release might be slightly counterproductive. Perhaps but we'll see. I've never actually used Tor. I've downloaded. Uh, all of the stuff for it, but just never had a reason to. I'm not, I'm yeah. not on the run for anybody. I got nothing, nothing, nothing to go check out over there. Yeah, yeah, me either. But uh, it's just, it's nice to know that it's still out there and that they, I guess, can't get to everything. So, yeah, <sighs> I would uh, maybe one weekend when I when it's snowing or something, I'll I'll break it open just so I. This is one of those things where I'd like to know about how to use it. Yeah, just just, to, just for the knowledge, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, get on tour and find the new Silk Road from the Dread Pirate Roberts. And uh, see, see what's going on. You know, yeah. get myself some drugs and, uh, and a couple uh, hitmen. <laughs> hitmen and hookers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think we've got, a, we've got a title for the episode. <laughs> I think so. I was about to say a new podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can find only us available. through Tor. <laughs> yeah, only available on Tor, not in the iTunes store. The web's not dead. So I ran into a site uh, called, well... It's called The Faces of Facebook. Uh, I, I don't remember how I ran into it. I think it was an article on Slate or Salon or something like that. Uh, it's at app.thefacesoffacebook.com. It's kind of neat. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, they're using the Facebook API to basically bring in every single Facebook user's uh, profile pictures. So you go there. Uh, it comes in as like a gigantic pixelated mess. You should click anywhere on the map and zoom in. Boom, you get to see a whole bunch of Facebook profile pictures. Um, I don't know if it's just me and, and, and luck in air quotes or, uh, or there's just a really lot of slutty girls out there. But, uh, almost every time I click in, there's just a lot of kind of slutty girl profile pictures. <laughs> yeah. You get all the luck. I, I don't have that many. I got a bunch of bros, <laughs> lots of bros and one really fat man. <laughs> this did not, this did not work for me on, uh, Chrome or Safari. So, Ooh, there's some slutty girls. Jackpot. <laughs> um, uh, I only I, I'm still basically just using Firefox so it worked for me right away you were telling me that it wasn't working at all and uh, I, I was like wow I finally found something that Jason isn't getting to work so I guess it's Firefox only uh, which is a bit weird because it's hard to think of any code that you can just do for Firefox and nothing else um, well, but you know this last ca- ca- caveat emptor I just found a uh, what <laughs> a naked dude with a boner um, so wow. it's it's not family friendly. Well, yes, it's uh, it's as safe for work as as Facebook can be before they catch anything. God forbid there might be breastfeeding photos in here. 
Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> um, you know, it's this is thirty seconds of fun, and then you're on and done, and never look at it again. But I thought it was pretty cool. It's you know just neat. I, I'm glad somebody made it. It's funny, and yeah, so I mean, you just there's... scan around and just see see the see the world basically. See who you're sharing this world with. Yeah, this is this is oddly voyeuristic. Isn't it though? I mean, it's <laughs> it it's is. pretty crazy. I mean, it's just whatever your profile picture is set to, as long as you're not 100% set to private, uh, this app is pulling it right in. And it's just, it's kind of fascinating. You just scan around, just click around a couple times and, and, and look at the people that you're sharing your world with. Man, I'm glad I don't do drugs because this could, this could really be a rat hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's got, let's see, what, 1.2 billion faces in here now and it's it's loading more as i speak it's just kind of keeps bringing things in crazy huh that is very crazy okay. oh and they I all link directly to people's profiles i didn't exactly. notice that but that is a little strange well <laughs> <laughs> we've yeah, given up our privacy just in case you ever doubted it here you go <laughs> uh, after that i'm going to calmingmanatee.com oh I don't know. This is this is one of those sites that I don't know how I found it this week, but it's it's pictures of manatee with very soothing sayings like "I'd hug you if I had arms," "Treat yourself, you deserve it," "It's okay, we still like you," "They're clearly jealous of you," "Don't listen to your jerk brain, you are smart and pretty." Oh, I just got that one too. Oh uh, yeah, so it, a city. I don't what know what, why site. I like it. Oh, so, yeah, that that will. Uh, <laughs> that will take away the Facebook stuff. I'm I'm cleansed. I'm cleansed now. Yes. So go to the faces of Facebook and then calm your manatee self. Here, candy, 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 candy. So if you grew up uh, here in Los Angeles, uh, you definitely heard Loveline. It was probably part of your growing up. I'm 40 years old and I I was listening to it. They've been doing it an awful long time. I guess you don't need to be in LA because they were syndicated. But uh, Adam and uh, Dr. Drew back together again. Uh, they've been doing a podcast for quite a while on Corolla's network. Um, it's it's good. It's you know in general it's kind of love line continued except a lot more bitching from Adam because they don't have to just sit and take calls and they don't have a producer and he's kind of up his own ass. But in general it's really good. And speaking of being up your own ass, uh, this last <laughs> particular episode <laughs> I think that everybody should really listen to. It's it's not kind of their normal thing. Um, I, if you're aware of Doctor Drew at all. Um, he actually just had prostate cancer and surgery for it. Um, he hasn't really talked about it uh, until this podcast, and it's uh, you know 47 minutes of them basically talking about something that is really, really important to us dudes, and uh, not a lot of information about it that uh, we all know of. People don't really talk about it. Listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was fascinated by it. I couldn't... Because they, they kept alluding that he had surgery and something was wrong for quite a while. And to mm-hmm. finally figure out, hear, hear what it was, was yeah. uh, sobering. And to really say. get into you know, the medical aspects of it, um, the, the choices that you make. Uh, you, know, you, don't, you think cancer and automatically the answer is get it out, get it out. That may not be the best case. Um, it really fascinating, interesting stuff. And the reality is that uh, if we happen to make it into our 80s or 90s, we will die from prostate cancer. End of story. So we're, you will get it. Um, it's just a question of when. So uh, we'll learn about it a little bit. Yeah, I definitely recommend checking that one out. It mm-hmm. was because uh, I, I don't listen to that show as often as I used to. Right. Just just because of the aforementioned bitching by Adam. <laughs> um, and they they only get to like maybe one call per episode, two if they're lucky. 
So yeah. I, I kind of missed that part. It, having the the people call in and them riff on it was always the the fun part of Love Line. And I was I listen, used to listen to it in Chicago, so it's not just you SoCal people. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. I wish the podcast that they did was more calls rather than Adam complaining because he's got his own two hour podcast every day where he does that. So if anybody over there is listening, more calls on the Adam and Drew show, please. Thank you. Yeah, so I've I've gotten a new one this week. I have, have been kind of busy, so I didn't really get to listen to as many new new shows as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a new show on Five by Five called Capital with Joel Bush. Okay, and they had uh, or he had on Brian Brushwood, who got famous fairly recently with uh, his show Scam School. Which, a side note, I was on the first episode. You can, if you if you want to go back in the archives, you can see me and uh, our former guest Joey Rabier laughing at our friend who was banging his head on a table from one of Brian's awesome bar tricks. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 a really interesting podcast because th- this episode it's episode number eight. It'll be linked in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And they talk about he talks about marketing, what it's like being a magician, coming up in the business, and working hard, and how he started podcasting by just you know doing it. Right and. and He's like, you're going to suck at the beginning. We know, we know that all <laughs> oh, yeah. too well. <laughs> yeah. You should, uh, if you think our first episode sucks, you should hear the four we did before that that we didn't even put out there. Oh, my God. I, I sent you the first edit list on the first episode, and there were 70 edit points. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, by the time we went to air for the first, the first aired episode, I think we only had like six. So. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot better real fast. Took a, took a month, a month of work. So, and he's done it for years now, mm-hmm. and he's... Now he's a busy guy. He's got many shows, quite famous. So it's a it's a cool cool origin story, yeah. if you will. Yeah, I got a. I I haven't had much time either. But you sent this to me, and I got about twenty minutes into it, and it's something that you know normally it's if you walk away from things these days just because of the push and pull and and how much is always going on, you usually don't get back to it. This is something I'm going to go back and finish for sure. Yeah, it's definitely worth listening to. And the rest of the episodes of Capital are pretty good. I've listened to them all so far, and I'm, I'm digging the show. Cool. Very cool. Faux oh, oh shizzle. Oh, shizzle. So if you guys got any uh, cool podcasts that uh, you think we might like, please send them to us. After you've given us a five-star rating on iTunes, of course. <laughs> it's uh, podcast at grumpyoldgeeks.com. You turn that damn thing off already. When we're getting ready to start our show, and I'm scanning over our little Mammoth HQ board that we use for for all the links and things that we want to talk about, and I, I scroll down and I see something, and it says, the most evil piece of shit on the internet. I was very hesitant to click on it, because if Jason says it's evil, I'm scared. This is so evil. <laughs> my, uh, my friend, Dr. Jonas Luster, uh, posted a screenshot of this game that he was playing on his Facebook page, and I'm like, oh, wow, that looks intricate. Interesting. Let me click on it. Right. Worst thing I ever did. I lost I lost 24 hours of my life to this thing. It's called Cookie Clicker and it's right. been making the rounds. And it is simply a game where you start off by clicking a cookie uh-huh. to to make more cookies and then when you once you get some more cookies you can buy cursors that will click the cookie for you. <laughs> and then you can buy grandmas to bake the cookies and then you move up to all these different uh, things that make more cookies, and the whole point of the game is just to make cookies. There is no end. <laughs> it is an it's an ongoing game. You can get power ups, you get achievements, but it is it is a pointless game. This is one hundred percent pointless, driving me absolutely insane. This is like Tamaguchi with cookies on a web browser. Yep, 
I mean, the cool part about it is it's all HTML5. It's JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Really well done. The, yeah, this is pretty impressive in terms of programming. The downside, what do you get? What do you get the cookies going? I'm, I'm currently making 31,915,786,318.1 cookies per second. I'm making 0.2. Yeah. Well, you got, you got to buy some cursors and yeah, some Yeah, no, 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 no. I already did this. I went down the rabbit hole with the plants versus zombies. I'm not doing this, Jason. Damn yeah. you. No, turn it off now. Turn it off now. I this is just I don't know what it is. I got to turn. I, I opened it back up and it saves your spot, so you can go back to it later. Oh joy! <laughs> and there there are hacks out there that you can get some JavaScript that will click the cookie for you. Mm-hmm. And there's a golden cookie too, which will up your production uh, drastically for like 77 seconds. I don't. I I'm starting to get manic again just thinking about it. If you've got OCD and a mouse, do not. Click on the link. <laughs> I, I do not have this gene. I, I, I just closed the window after 30 seconds, and I'm, I'm all good. <laughs> oh, I, wish I, I wish I was like you. <laughs> I will never think of it again. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going, I have dreams about cookies after this. Because <laughs> I would, I'd get up, and I'm like, oh, because you, you know, once you get up some more cookies, and you can buy another thing that makes more cookies faster to get another thing. As far as game mechanics go and, you know, lab rat uh, I was about to say, if we, were, if we were hanging out in the lab together, you'd be on that treadmill and I'd just be sitting there sipping a beer. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what it is. And as far as the balance and game mechanics, it's, it is a perfect example of how to get people to do stupid things for no benefit to themselves whatsoever. N- nothing good came out of this. <laughs> and the guy who made it's French. God damn it. Oh, me? <laughs> oh, you? So I would like to big big thanks and hugs and all that good stuff to uh, Miss Wendy Marvel for designing our new Grumpy Old Geeks logo. Yes. Now we looking look slightly grumpy. less grumpy. Less right. grumpy. It looks twice as grumpy. Well, past uh, there were some uh, previous versions that we did, didn't end up using. Oh, yes. The, <laughs> we, we figured a, a smiley face flipping the bird was probably a little over the top for the iTunes people. So. Yes, unfortunate, because that one was my favorite. But very funny. Good job, Wendy. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank um, you very much. I also want to give a congrats out to the L.A. Dodgers, or as they're called, if you're a Angelino, Los Doyers for their uh, nice win last night over the Braves in the first postseason game. I'm actually paying attention to baseball right now. So, good job. Looking forward to the rest of it. And a final shout-out for me uh, to Sinead O'Connor, who is an ex-client and I got to know reasonably well quite a long time ago, uh, for her open letter to Miley Cyrus, as against open letters as I typically am. The first letter was well-written, well-stated, and spot-on. Uh, Miley's response and then Sinead getting really pissed off at her and the ongoing drama, not so cool. Uh, Sinead, maybe you should have just left it with the one letter, but, you know, you're right, and uh, Miley Cyrus is an idiot, so. Yeah, you need to tell Sinead to stop feeding the trolls. <laughs> yeah, she never. She, the problem with Sinead is she doesn't have the off switch. She should make the statement and then just walk away. <laughs> Throw the mic down and walk off the stage. Exactly. So that's it for me. Ah, well, next week I will be uh, coming to you live from, or recorded, from the <laughs> lovely town of Downers Grove, Illinois, where we will be interviewing a Mr. Mike Vinicor, who is an old friend and a game designer who I used to work with back at Midway when uh, in the, the Mortal Kombat days. Ooh, fancy. Yes, we, were, we actually, our first jobs 
in the game industry, uh, we were testers on a an Aerosmith game called Revolution X. I totally remember that game. We were testers where you can if you get to the end, you can see our name. I'm I'm listed as Thor, so <laughs> he's MXV. Nice. And, then, and uh, yeah, we and in between, basically, we'd give them bugs, and then they'd have to go fix the bugs and do a build. While they were doing the build, we'd sneak around the corner and start a Mortal Kombat two tournament with the guys who made Mortal Kombat. Right. All right. That so kinda, that was kind of cool. So one of your old friends and a lot of talk about gaming. I'm just going to have a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Well, Mike also has one of the largest uh, collections of punk rock vinyl in the world. So I yes. think there will be a lot of there'll be some music talk, some wrestling talk uh, and some photography talk. I don't know about uh, if any of those are up your alley. Well, you know, I'll just have that. Uh, I'll have that new book that you recommended with me and I'll chime in on the punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of punk rock, the reason I'm going out there is going to see Agent Orange and the Bull Weevils. That'll two. be fun. I've never seen Agent Orange, but the Bull Weevils are a Chicago punk band that have been around forever, and I'm friends with those guys, so it'll be be a fun time. Awesome. Chicago. Well, have a great trip, and uh, I'll talk to you from Chicago. Yes, and next week uh, we can maybe talk about the fact that the Nobel Prize for Agriculture is going to a Monsanto executive. This just came across my my desk. Can you believe that? Oh, boy. That'll be fun. That's what happens when there's no government. Keep up with the Grumpy Old Geeks on the web at GrumpyOldGeeks.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GrumpyOldGeeks. Or email them at podcast at rubbyoldgeeks.com. Have a good week. Okay, last one to kill a bad guy buys the beer. We're driving to Florida.